Hello everybody, this is uh, My Movie Opinions Will Probably Offend You with Rudy and Matt, but this is Rudy's gig. He's the full-time owner. I might regret that if you blow up, man. I'm. You're going to cut me out real quick. You're going to Mark Zuckerberg me. I'm going to go full the like the network on you. Um, we're going to review the movie Us, and just like a little caveat onto like movies. Um, so, Matt, would you consider this movie a thriller or a horror movie? Oh, absolutely a thriller. You kidding me? And it kind of shows that it's funny early on. She, uh, the main girl, Adelaide, wins a thriller. Her dad wins a thriller shirt. So I think that in the movie, Jordan Peele's very, very sure to say, hey, this is a thriller movie with a Michael Jackson reference, which only Jordan Peele could probably pull off in this day of age. But yeah, definitely a thriller because... In order for it to be a scary movie, it has to be plausible, and the context or the world this film happens in, I wouldn't say, is very plausible. Yeah, like, also this movie was made pre-Leaving uh, Neverland, so, um, just, a, just a side note, <laughs> in case people find Michael Jackson problematic. I know, and, it might be a problem that we're <laughs> even bringing up his name, really. Yeah, so... Don't sue us, please. Um, so, the actors of this movie are uh, the main character is Lupita Nyong, who plays a character by the name of Adelaide. Winston Duke, who uh, you may or may not have also seen in the movie Black Panther, alongside Lupita. Elizabeth Moss, who plays uh, some what I know her as June Osborne from Handmaid's Tale, or what M- Matt knows her as. Oh, in Mad Men, dude. Her character in Mad Men is the... Oh, I shouldn't say that here, but is no. The, Peg, she's amazing. the stuff. <laughs> uh, the, oh no, we're a PG podcast. Uh, not really at all. It will, it will, for it will, sure, get worse from here when we start letting this slip. For sure. Um, the next character is uh, Tim Heidecker from. I know him as Tim and Eric from Tim and Rick Super Awesome Show. If any of you guys are Adult Swim fans, uh, pre Rick and Morty and Eric Andre Show, um, Shahadi Wright Joseph who plays Zora, and Evan Alex who plays Jason Wilson, and there's this, there's a whole other group of characters. Anna Diop who plays Rain Thomas, and there's they're not essential. They're not essential. There's a lot of other people, and three-hour-long podcast. If you get offended that I don't mention the entire cast, I'm I'm not really sorry. They're probably not listening. (laughs) If you are, I'm still not very sorry. Contact with us; we'd love to uh, work with you. you So the film, to start off the film, it starts off with like a white subtext, and it brings up the amount of like tunnels. Throughout the entire United States of America, which is also true, like those actually do exist, and like, but it brings up like how we don't know what half of these tunnels are used for, or, like these old mines and trains, sta- like whatever it is, and and really we don't really know half of our friends with people close to us. I think a lot of this movie represents how a lot of ourselves are hidden away in our own tunnels. Or maybe it's prejudices, or can even range to privilege or status. There's a lot of intricate 
seams in this movie, which I really love. Yeah, I uh, I also enjoyed that as well. And then it cuts into like a, a like a scene of a screen, like we're the character watching a TV show, and it shows like. Well, let's first start. It's set in the eighties, mid eighties for sure. But they're showing what eighties things are they showing? I know that Hands Across America, but what else do they reference? It's like they reference the Goonies, which is about a cast of a group of youngsters just trying to raise money to I don't remember I'm pretty sure like trying to get their friend to stay in town or something like that it starts the movie Chud which is about a photographer who discovers an underground dwelling and like cannibals lurking throughout the sewers of a city which will play later into the movie um Nightmare on Elm Street which is just an essential classic of horror you've seen it or you tell a lot of people that you've seen it to fit in with moviegoers side note my ex-step uh grandma and grandpa that's quite a few loops there I'll let you uh figure that one out but they used to live on Elm Street I used to be terrified terrified that good old Freddy was gonna come out and uh I don't even know what he'll do to me, but I don't want to know. I don't want to know. No. So, and then I uh, I really don't remember all the other movies, but they're all connected in one way or another to something being underground or some way of being underprivileged. And then you see a advertisement for the move, like for the movement Hands Across America, which. What's a movement to raise money and awareness for poverty and homelessness in America? And if you want to talk a little bit about that. I mean, it didn't go over well. I mean, it was a good thought, good try. But, I mean, they failed if it was to connect hands across America. The uh, And the ironic part was a lot of the underprivileged parts of the... United States, or even, you know, who's going to try and Alex Honnold up Yosemite or, like, El Capitan to try and connect hands? I ain't trying to do that. It's like, from what I've gathered, it, like, may or may not have, like, it just didn't go what people thought it was going to go. Like, it, I looked at it as um the 80s generation of Coney 2012, and if anyone's co- co- comprehending of, like, how big of a failure 2012 was when people were going to Coney the night but that's just a sign up for anyone that remembers that um, moving on and we see the young Adelaide watching the TV with her hands across America shirt and then it transitions to them going to a fair yeah they are at a carnival not just any ordinary carnival a very popular one Santa Monica um, so at this carnival and Adelaide's dad, you see her family set up. Her dad looks like it's an alcoholic, but her dad wins her an amazing shirt, a Michael Jackson shirt, which I guess isn't amazing. Forget I said that. Um, but it's a thriller shirt. Sets up kind of the movie scene a little bit. Um, she kind of gets lost a little bit. She wanders off, gets lost, and goes to the scariest part of the freaking carnival, the like illusion house that's not even at the carnival it's on the beach so she walks into this dark house starts storming something happens but on her way there she does see a jeremiah eleven eleven 
verse. This guy's just holding it up. What does the book of Jeremiah 11.11 say, Rudy? And just a side note, quick plug for Rudy. Rudy also performs weddings, so he's qualified to talk about this. How many weddings have you done? Uh, I have done about like 10 weddings. and How many have you ministered? Ten weddings. <laughs> Wait, you ministered ten? Yeah, I just, I literally just sign off on people's weddings. Like it's like I'm like I, like I do. It's cheaper than a courthouse because sometimes I just pay for the licenses and just write them up myself because that's just how I work. But just hire him. He wants work. <laughs> the Bible verse goes, therefore, uh, therefore, thus saith the Lord: Behold, I will bring upon Eve. I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape, and they shall cry unto me, and I will not um, hearken unto them. It's a little creepy. Well, and when I when I did my research on the the book of Jeremiah, it was written by a man named the prophet Jeremiah, and he brings up how at this time the Israelites were moving away from the word of god and worshiping idols and just it and if you aren't a religious person i can completely understand that i'm not trying to throw religion or go against religion it just the movie god's not dead is the worst film i've ever seen and it just brings up how god will turn away from you possibly if you worship these false idols and you turn on to him like much like we saw with sodom and gomorrah or noah's ark or pretty much every single punishment uh, stricken on humanity but that's neither here nor there and so and we see that in the movie and it will play on later on into where the movie goes but that's just a hearken onto a possibility of where the antagonists come into play so Matt further from there well another thing I like about how they use Jeremiah 1111 the 11-11 with the colon in the middle it kind of shows duality a little bit. It's like reverse mirror of each other. So it's just another subtle way to throw in one of the main themes of the movie into it and just kind of give it its spotlight and a way to introduce that theme. So anyways, we're saying Adelaide goes into the creepy illusion house and she, well, it looks like there's a mirror that's just, you know, it's like a lazy mirror or something. It's going different. But that is actually our introduction into the Tethered that show up after they leave the beach at their home. Well, yeah, just, a side, just a heads up now, uh, if you have we're gonna we're gonna spoil it for you. Just or listen to this and you can tell everyone that you saw the movie. And just a caveat of what Matt said. The, the one unique thing is the sounds of this movie and like if you play close attention to the sounds they'll they'll relate later to like towards the very end of the movie and like how well they were able to use the costumes like for example the uh the tell like the gift giver or like the teller at the ball throwing devices wearing a dead kennedy shirt which plays later on into the shirt, like into the uh, the film, or the thriller shirt that the character was given, they were able to like to find all these these things from that era that were able to fit so well, and like in the condition that they showed up in, and just like the cinematography of this, like how she's looking at all these rides and all these people, and that plays later on into like the movie when everything's shown to light. So she enters this glass house 
I mean, House of Mirrors, or illusions, as you would say. Not ma magic, illusions, for you uh, Arrested Development fans out there. And she whistles, I guess, out of nervousness, and then some, she hears a noise, and then she sees what looks like the back of herself, and then the movie cuts into the future with... Uh, um, them leaving the beach now at the end of the beach scene we see that jason well let's uh set up the characters a little bit well, the, it was a therapy as well like yeah. it shows her in therapy and she's like well your daughter might have ptsd and the father just being a classic dad of that era possibly not caring about mental health or anything like of that nature and just it's kids would be yeah kids. shows she's Spooked from the Hall of Mirrors or the House of Mirrors. Yeah, she's super spooked from it. Because the dad was like, "How can she have PTSD? It's not like she served in yeah, Vietnam." Yeah, she is not talking at all, and she is. They didn't even say she wasn't talking; that she was a completely different person. Yeah. So the Wilsons. So Adelaide grows up, and we see she has a family, and she is married to Gabe, who. I'm pretty sure as a lawyer mm -hmm. set up in the movie, he's wearing a brown law shirt. Um, in this scene, when the tethered come, we'll get to that. There is Zora Wilson, the daughter of Adelaide, the oldest of the two, and her younger brother, Jason. Jason is just like your typical prepubescent boy, messing around, always getting lost, playing with fire. And it's kind of really a typical, like, American family, an ideal American family. You have the married couple, the older daughter who's, like, just trying to get her brother to chill out and leave her alone. And you have the brother who's just into mischief all the time. So it's a typical American family. They're just chilling out at their house. They didn't like going to the beach, or Adelaide didn't like going to the beach after she found Jason, who had run off at the beach. And we get our first double back to duality when we see the first hand across America and the bloody Jeremiah 1111 sign. Like, I'm, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back it up real quick, too. Like, when we first, like, see, like, the family, like, it's a good shot of, like, the family driving and... And just like you just see like the basic family dynamics and like when you get there, like the daughter's like, Oh, we don't have Wi Fi out here, internet access, like a very typical There's a beach house. It's a beach house. <laughs> it's their grandparents' old house from what I've gathered. And the dad just being like the most corny father character in a movie, just like we have the great outdoors to enjoy. And there's like her rolling her eyes and one thing I thought was very weird is like they're all eating at the table. Everyone's eating, like, what looks to be just, like, chicken tenders. But except for Adelaide's character, who's eating strawberries. Which, I, I don't know if that means anything. I just thought that was, like, unique in the film. And, like, the family's just trying to decide. Like, just, like, make decisions about the beach. And, like, the boy just goes roaming around. Oh, yeah. And also, the boy has a Chewbacca mask or some sort of mask that he has on his head or in front of his face at all times. And we know the boy's afraid of the dark. Because he goes inside a closet with a device that um, uh, says it's a it's magic like trick. Flint yeah, it's of a, a lighter without the gas. Yeah, and he's like, it's supposed to be a magic trick, and she just just gives him grief about it. And I just remember that, and he gets he's scared of the dark because it looks his, like he has some ADD. 
He's a typical like ten, eight to twelve, ten year old boy. He's a ten year old human. He has. They have no idea what they're doing. They're just having, trying to have a good time in the most wholesome, like kid way ever. And the dad's like, "Well, we're gonna, we're going to go to the beach and try to." F-. And Adelaide just seems very standoffish at this point. Very like nervous about it. She's like, "I don't want to go back there because he wants to go to the specific beach where she got lost in the Hall of Mirrors." And so. They're like she's going down. Like uh, as she gets ready, she like they make a compromise. Like we're not going to stay till the like after dark. So they it just shows the family just doing things throughout the entire house. The um, the mom's going downstairs and she finds a a stuffed bunny rabbit, which bunnies bunny rabbits play a decent role in this movie later it's on. In the introduction, yeah, when the credits roll in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, you see rabbits, like, come out in a very, like... Symbolic way. Like, Kubrick backing of the camera way to show off. Yeah, and that was... And it it makes... It it seems weird, but it'll make more sense towards the end. And so, she's just downstairs, and she sees, like, an image of herself, like, in a ballerina outfit when she's younger. And she snaps out of it when she hears her Jason just losing his mind because he's afraid of the dark because his little sister locked him in the room like locked him in a closet and so she runs up there and release him and then it shows him driving it skips over shows him driving to the moot like the the beach and that's when they witness the jeremiah eleven eleven guy murdered coming out of a like a motel is from what i believe and then we see them at the beach with the other family that is there quick thought on the bloody jeremiah eleven eleven sign and the guy who was just murdered it's a little creepy and it's our first taste of duality in the movie which again plays a huge role like we're seeing it a second time the second time didn't go well for him i would say and he also comes back later at the beach scene we're about to talk about as the first hand across america so like we're at the beach and adelaide's there with the entire family and they meet up with josh and kitty who i guess are family friends kitty's just the very typical former like i was gonna be an actress mother drinking was it rosé Oh no, she's your she's white girl wasted as a lifestyle stereotype, I would say. Yeah, and she talks about like how oh I got a small procedure done, which is she got plastic surgery. Botox. And was it Botox or was it like she did did she have like surgery? I thought it was Botox. She got some procedure done. It's plastic surgery. Yeah, it's plastic surgery. And she talks about like how it could have been an actress and she's like you could have been such a great dancer and Adelaide just like kind of like brushes it off like it's, she doesn't like to talk yeah she, like. she she doesn't like to talk about like that part of her life and I guess that the father was like a baseball player or former baseball player and he's just talking about talking to the dad about like oh uh, did you get a I heard you got a boat you have this this and this it kind of turns into the who had like the biggest dick competition or like the the most resourceful dad competition almost sets that up. There's it, a little rivalry there. There's definitely like an inside of like a socioeconomic divide between these two families. 
and they're both pretty well off though let's be real yeah like, and, and uh, yeah they're both extreme like they both seem to be pretty well off it just that like you could see that he that um her it's a competition yeah because gabe resents the fact like uh josh has everything yeah, yeah. and it's and looking at Josh, I'm like, oh, this is... I, I just kept looking. I'm like, it's Tim and Eric from Tim and Eric, uh, super awesome show. I'm like, why is he just being this pretentious when he's just downright insane? Yeah, so while all this is going on, everyone kind of loses track of Jason. Now, Zora, his sister, is hanging out with the Tyler's, Kitty and Josh's daughters. They have twins. So those three are chilling. Jason runs off, gets lost. And Adelaide realizes Jason's not with them. She's terrified, absolutely terrified at like the place in the world she probably hates the most looking for her son. And she finally finds him, but it shows Jason looking at the same guy who was just murdered somehow walks to the beach all bloody and just stands there. And it's our first look at the Hands Across America movement us version and just to cap it with Matt said when before like Gabe runs off he is like looks like he's building a sandcastle and the twins are just not paying attention because they're just typical teenagers not minding like where they're going and like they wreck his sandcastle and they're like bring up something about a sandcastle like it's not a sandcastle I'm making tunnels which is kind of like a callback to the beginning of the movie where they talked about tunnels and throughout the United States and they're just giving her grief about like why her little brother is the way he is and looking up at him I, I, the dead Kennedys pops up again just maybe it brings back like just like classical music at the time or music of the working class which was uh the Dead Kennedys at that time, or my, it was it was either Dead Kennedys or Minor Threat, and that's just besides the point. I'm just really into punk music, and you just see Adelaide freaks out, and but Jay, but Jason's just looking around, and he just sees this guy covered in blood, and you know that's that's just not a normal thing, and that's the one thing I'm like, how is no one noticing this guy standing dripping blood? But it's a movie; nothing makes sense in movies. Again, it's not a scary movie because it's not super plausible. Yeah. <laughs> not very plausible at all. But, I mean, who knows? Coasts are wild, man. Like, culture at the coast, everyone's a little bit more wild the closer the coast you live. Man, I don't go to the beaches, man. I know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I don't miss the beaches, dude. I don't go out there staying. <laughs> Bro, your favorite type of swimming style is the doggy paddle. <laughs> Deny it. <laughs> You're not wrong, but it's just, that's besides the point. <laughs> Anyways, so they get back from the beach. Everything seems to be fine, but there's still some sense of suspense going on in the movie, and it just keeps building. Um, and then they notice somebody's just standing in front of their driveway. Not just someone. There's four people standing in front of the driveway. And to carry off of that, um, so when the family gets there, they're just like settling in. The dad's watching a baseball game, and the score is eleven eleven, which I found very interesting. And the second time I watched it, she goes around checking on the kids, tells the daughter to like put away her phone. It's time to go to bed. Is he what 
She doesn't because no teenager put away puts away their phone. Unless you're my mom and you just take my phone away. <laughs> see how doing, right? So she goes in the son's room to tell him goodnight. And she sees the son. Like she like looks at her son's photos. And like one of the photos is extremely graphic. And she's like, who drew this? And he's like, I don't know. I'm like, oh, really, really, dude? There's only like two people and like two people that were like that saw that and you're one of them but he's like mom look 11 11 and the mom just like looks petrified like that thousand like yard stare but didn't serve in vietnam and the mom and dad are she just tells him good night to go to bed and one thing i did notice in the background was uh matt do you remember like in grade school did your, any of your teachers ever have like those little mannequins you could like put into weird shapes or whatever and they're made out of wood. Do you know what I'm talking about, though? Like the ones that are in Ikea? Yeah. I saw that in the background. That will play later on into when the main antagonists arrive. Because at this point, we really haven't seen who the antagonists are. We just see... We saw the little girl in the beginning. And then that there's something eerie going on. That's all we know. Yeah, that's... that's that's At this point, that's... Essentially all we know at this point. So the mom and dad are just arguing. It's like, but typical parents do when nothing makes sense or lack of communication thereof and they're just arguing about like why do you want to leave so much and all these other things like why she's so scared and then it gets a little funny because the dad just like lays on the bed with like his Howard sweater and like his boxer just like so we're gonna do this or not and the mom just goes into like a rant about like a situation like about like Live being there and like what happened to the beach, they should leave, and all these other things. And um, the son comes in. Was it the son or was it the daughter? I think it was a yeah. A child comes in and says, "Oh yeah, there's a family at our uh, at the front of her house." And the family sh- like they like they get riled up. The mom obviously knows something because like did did you did you assume that the mom knew something about what was going down? Well, she had, she was always saying, something's coming for us. You could tell she knew that there was something going on that not everyone else accepted as true. Yeah, and I will say this. The father, like, did really well, like, enunciating, enunciating his words. Like, he was very articulated. Like, the, you can tell the family, you can tell he's a lawyer of some sort because he just knows how to articulate his words and his sentences and sound extremely educated and so i don't know how to do that yeah no one does i dropped out of college (laughs) yeah i was like great (laughs) yeah so they look out and they're like oh there is a family out there so he put he opens the door and he politely says hey can you guys uh, can you guys please leave my property in like the most like well-mannered way like maybe there's like a just taking a walk and just like happen to take a pause yeah. there which i don't know what family's taking walks at like just staring at your home to down your driveway like i don't know it's definitely creepy he was creeped out but he was just like y- y'all need to go yeah and then he did, then it switched to, like, it just goes 0 to 100 real quick. Oh, no. I'm not sure real quick. I think it went 0 to 20. He got a little bit puffy chest. He's like, he's like, y'all need to leave. He started. He has a bat in his hand. He's like, yo, go, go get the go, bat. He gets the bat. And 
Yuntov puffs up his chest, and you just tell he's not a super tough guy. It's a really funny move, moment, actually. But yeah, it's like, this guy has never been in a fight, and if he has... But I like how Jordan Peele sprinkles in the comedy. Like, it's a thriller. Yeah. It's not made to be a comedy, but in the theater, it got laughs. Like, yeah, I laughed. Kept the tension and then a lot. You just see, like, the two children characters just disappear like one crawls away and like one runs off and then you're like whoa these guys are not normal yeah like then you can tell like yo there's something very very off about what's about to go down and so gabe just runs inside he's like call 911 and so they call 911 and they're like it's gonna be 14 minutes like, well, like, she's trying to argue them. Like, there's a family outside our house. And the 911 dispatch is like, oh, just tell them to go away. I'm like, <laughs> this is a preference. I have somewhat of a law enforcement background. I'm not going to get too much into it. But having that, I can understand why they'd be like, that'd be like the least pertinent thing for them to respond to. <laughs> it's like, it's going to be 14 minutes. I was like, the dispatcher just doesn't care about the situation that's about to unveil. And so the the dad is trying to figure out how, like, what to do, and the daughter realizes, like, oh, my window's open. So she goes, locks her window, and you just see, like, things just crawling around. I was like, oh, this is about to get real weird real quick. They try and bust their way in, but the way they eventually get in... Is they had a key. They found a they key. Know, they knew where the spare key was hidden. And then he realizes... Off, they're like, uh-oh. It's gay. And then Gabe's like... Gabe looks at himself. First off, the family is them. Yeah, that's it. It's us. The thing that got me the most, they like the, he's trying to fight off this guy, and the guy steals his back because he left his bat exposed, and the dad just hits him in the leg. I'm like, haven't been hit with a bat before. That's the worst feeling ever. And so, the family makes it in. They break their way in, and so they're directed to uh, sit on the couch. And the dad's dragged to the couch. Or does he, is he dragged or is he walked? Dragged then crawled. Because his leg oh, yeah. was messed He's up. like, ah! I'm just like, he's just, just rattling up in pain. And the whole entire family's just... Looking at themselves. Yeah. And the, the son's like, they're us. And people in the movie, I just remember like in the movie, people were like, oh... Like wow, that's so. <laughs> Did you just have your mind blown? Did you discover fire? Good God! And she, and then. Um, Quick thing to point out. So yeah, they are them. Let's get this out of the way. They are known, will be known as the tethered versions of themselves. Yeah. So who are the tethered, Rudy? The tethered are Red, who is Adelaide. Abraham is Gabe. Umbre is Zora and Pluto is Josh. But who are they? Like, what are they as a people? Well, so like, and and as I get into that, Red goes into this long speech. She's like, first I'm like, dang, she just clears her throat, and I'm like, God, that is so gratuitous. And she just goes, "You were so privileged. You ate food, nice." and tasty and we eat rabbit raw and pink and just goes into this long expletive like like this like long word vomit of like we live underground we're a failed science experiment not everything happened the way it happened so they they shut us clones of yeah 
the pe- the our main film subjects. And they never bring up who who, who cloned them, and they affirm themselves at, as the tethered. And the only character we know to talk is um Red, who talks like this the entire time. Looks like a girl used to know. I'm not gonna get into that discussion right now. <laughs> She's married, by the way, oh, really? to, a, yeah, to a really nice guy. <laughs> if you know who you are. I'm glad for her. Um, but, so, they come in, they're sitting in the living room. It's important to note that their costumes, this is a film, we have to cover every aspect. That is one, costumes is one. They are in red jumpsuits. I'm talking about, like, 80s. It flashes back to the 80s. Again, we get that sense of duality in the movie. And they were wearing one glove, reminiscent of one Michael Jackson during his thriller days. And they have this golden knife, or not knife, scissors. Cut like knives. So that's their costumes. That's what every one of the tethered dresses up as. That was just important to get out of the way. What were some other similarities or differences between the two you noticed? Like, what I noticed is, like, the the upkeep of these individuals and like later on you see like like cause she brings up like we didn't live in the best conditions when we were underground which I kind of expect she literally talks about eating rabbit raw and pink and they didn't she didn't have toys she really didn't have a childhood the the fa- the father's character a- Abraham the tethered character is like a very unkept beard. Everyone's hair is long, except for um, except for Umbre's character, whose hair was like slicked back, which reminded me of Cat Williams for some reason. And the boy, the uh, goat, the Pluto character throughout the movie brings up when you see like she like, the boy loves to play with fire, and so. So this Pluto guy, Jason's tethered character... His face is burnt. (laughs) Yeah, but we don't see it at first. So Pluto wears a mask just like Jason. So you see how those characters are so different, yet similar at the same time. And so the, the Red proclaims Adelaide to handcuff herself to a table, and then she tells, um, Zora to run... And earlier in the movie, Zora was talking about like quitting, like run her running track track and field career. And then that's like you could be a superstar. Like every like exuberant. Some parents need to be real. Like if your if your kid doesn't want to do it, or if they're just not good, don't force them to do it. Were your parents honest with you about your sports abilities? Yeah, that's why I did theater, and now I'm just a pretentious movie goer. Thanks, mom and dad. Love you guys. And so the Reds character proclaims like you. Run and just makes the daughter run and like Adler looks at her like start running and she just books it and then um the tethered character Umbre gives chase and um she tells Abraham to take Gabe outside presumably I think to kill him and the, the he the, uh, that part just sucks because he's dragging him through like broken glass and you can just hear him go ah 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 I'm like God man are you, you good dude you alright are you suffering there man and so that's going on and then they have 
Pluto and Jason play together, and she's like, the boy has a temper. I'm like, oh, man, this is great. And so they go back to the closet, and you notice there's an ambulance in the door, which was kicked out by the sister earlier in the movie, which got Jason scared of the dark. And so they're in there flickering the light, and there's three like each and you it goes through each tethered character and the normal characters like what's going on so the daughter's running and i'll be by the way like the daughter has like the worst running form i've seen i'm not a good runner but in my past career i had to run a lot for my past job and so i learned how to like have decent running form so she's like jogging sprinting or whatever and then the tether character does like the typical like antagonist like i'm gonna start pop my back and move my neck a little bit and just starts straight up sprinting for her and then we like see her like run for a neighborhood and the weirdest part like like what i wondered is like so she's been underground her entire life um, she does very well, like, navigating through streets because later on you discover, like, there's no cars where they're from. Like, imagine going from, like, living underground to, like, oh, there's fresh air and there's cars. I think there would be a lot of accidents happening. Yeah. <laughs> and so... It will be like, remember little Nicky? And every time he died, he went back to hell? Yeah. And he had only lived in hell? Yeah. And, like, he goes up to the Earth world, the normal world, and, like, ten seconds later, he comes flying back through the gates of hell. Yeah. And they're like, what happened? And they're like, okay, don't walk in front of the big moving metal machines. <laughs> like, And so the daughter, like, managed to, like, escape her tether character because, like, she finds a car and, like... Runs around it, and the tether character gets preoccupied murdering the owner that comes out it's yeah. like get off my car yeah it's like having been this like an obnoxious teenager yeah i did stuff like that like you'd be on someone's property like get off my what are you doing in my back car get off my car i was like oh being like having done that in high school i was like oh i could totally see someone just like walking out, like what are you doing on my property and then if you got, <laughs> and then the dude got stabbed by those golden scissors yeah that was just, that was rough i'm like there you go man yeah but we see we see Zora get away then. Then, the other really good fight scene was Gabe versus Abraham. And again, all the comedic relief in this movie falls on Gabe's shoulders. Yeah, so it really does. Gabe's and like, he does very well in that role. He's getting dragged onto the boat, and then he gets knocked out. And then he wakes up, and he like, he's in a trash bag, and like manages like, to rip a hole. And the tethered character somehow knows how to drive a boat. I know, it's... I was like, how do you all go from living underground to understand the basic mechanics of boats? I know people that still can't drive stick shift, let alone can fully function a boat, having never probably driven a vehicle ever. Yeah, and a funny part about that, so Gabe buys the boat in the, like, the beginning of the movie, shows everybody it, and like all boats, it's a terrible investment, and the motor or starter seems dodgy. So it'll, like, break down. It won't start. If you hit it three times, it'll just start back up and kick into gear where it's at. So it comes into play in their scene. The engine dies. The father realizes. The father realizes. He's in the trash bag. Guy's, like, off balance. Yeah, he's off balance. He's not centered up on the boat. Ooh, just a key note. When the father is in the trash bag, you hear a noise, and then you hear just, like, a grunt. Like, ooh! And... 
like another person grunt, and I just thought like, oh, is it just drunk people just like being drunk? But I'll place later on, because the only person we've seen to talk is Red. Like Red can talk, just talks horribly because her voice, like something's up with her voice. But all the other characters want to do is grunt. Like we, the little Pluto's character, like makes noises, and like the other character, tethered characters seem to just like scream and yell. But, like, we hear the father grunt, and then he just hits him with the baseball bat. And then he just falls off the boat, and then the boat starts up again, and then, so Gabe just falls off. And he's like, oh, he's in the water, but luckily the tethered Abraham is a te- is tethered with the life preserver. Yeah, can drag behind the boat. And then he sees, he's like, the boat always curves to the left. <laughs> it comes back around and stops. Yeah, it's really funny. Like, that whole fight scene was super funny. And, again, that whole scene, the setup where he's just showing how the boat worked in the very beginning of the film, comes back and bites him in the butt. It's really fun to see. I feel like every scene possible, he found a way to double back to another scene. It was really well done like that. Yeah, I I really enjoy that. So he's on the he gets back on the boat and like he's about just like he's like this is it. I'm I'm, I'm I, this is I guess I guess I die. And he like just like head thumps or hits the engine aggressively and just annihilates Abraham with the propeller blades of the boat. So he double backs back and so we're going to go double back to Pluto and Jason. They're in the closet together. And J- Jason realizes he the that a- that Pluto mimics him, so he starts doing these hand gestures, and then he does he gets the magic trick to finally work. He flicks, and a small flame develops, and the, both these boys with their masks on just like jump and like oh oh man, it's like two cavemen discovering fire, I guess, or something. And then he realizes he sees um uh, it's time to escape. Kicks the ambulance out, closes the door, and starts running. So, um, Adelaide's character looks at Red and says, um, that's yours. Like, you, you know what your kid sounds like. You. It's crazy, though. Like, even though the tethered seems so uncultured, the same principles of a mom flow throughout the movie. Like, the tethered mom obviously loves her family, just like the untethered mom loves her family so it's just kind of crazy to see it seems like every movie like interstellar it's like love is the greatest thing in the world or like forrest gump like which happens to be one of matt's favorite uh, movies yeah it's the best movie ever but i mean a lot of movies you see a big big part of the backbone is the power of love and so she like, adelaide manages to just like pretty much rip herself out, like breaks the table and gets herself out of she's still in handcuffs but she breaks out of the table and she finds jason the daughter runs back and so they realize they can get on the boat so they all like scurry away to the boat and get on and so they get on the boat and i guess they're traveling off and it switches back to uh kitty and uh josh's family and Kitty, Josh is just listening, like enjoying his Sono speaker, which, by the way, is a really nice speaker. I think it's a Sono speaker system. Besides the point, it's a really nice speaker. He's just like drunk, passed out. And the and uh, Kitty's character goes out like, Josh, there's something outside. I swear. And they're just like bickering. And they both go down. There's like, wait, 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 wait. I see something. And then, then he's like, 
I don't know, he makes some joke, and she's like, that's not funny. And the two twins come out, like, Kitty's like, go to bed, like, or go to your rooms. Like, just because her rooms are not sleeping, she's like, fine, just go in there and do whatever teenagers do. I was like, dang. I was like, I can never talk to my mom back like that. She's like, no. You're very good to come out. Like, All right, I'm going to my room. I can't argue with her. I'm about to go and go to bed. I'm about to go to sleep. She took my phone away, my speaker away when I go to bed. But that was high school. I'm a 24-year-old man. You're a man. I'm a man. And that's that's besides the point. And so she looks up. And then you just see, like, two characters, like, show up out of nowhere, slit the twins' throats, the... And the tethered versions of uh, Kitty and Joshua, Dephilia and Tex, just go and kill them. And while this all while this all is happening, is the Beach Boys are playing. <laughs> this family just get horribly murdered. Kitty's on the floor and is looking up, looking back, just crawling to uh, Josh, and looks up at uh, Tex. The tethered version of Josh and jo- and Tex reaches out his hand, and she's reaching up and like slicks back his hair, and she's like, "Call the police!" Gurgling blood, and they play "Fuck the Police." <laughs> yeah, they're really smart at comedic relief since it is a thriller suspense movie. It's just building, and they find really good creative ways to cut that relief a little bit. Yeah, so. The family's dead. He murdered. And so the tethered family's there, the tethered version of them. But Adelaide and her family's going there because they think it's they don't they don't know that this is going on. So uh Adelaide shows up with the family and she opens the door and just gets dragged in and the whole entire family just like just barges in. And pre- it's like pretty much like a boss character of like who is going to like kill with what, like choose your weapon. Yeah, it's funny too because we see Gabe going at Tex because him and Josh are a little bit of rivals there, and it's like his turn to kill, like kill him. So it's kind of like they're going at it in the beginning of the movie, the untethered characters, yeah. and now Gabe's getting a chance to kick because he. It seems like he doesn't like Josh very much, and now he gets to kill the. <laughs> The tethered version of Josh, so he's like, hell yeah. So that fight was actually very <laughs> they were fight They were fighting with economic status at the beginning, and now they're legitimately fighting each other. But the thing is, like, he's in the boat, and, like, early in the movie, t- Josh brings up, like, oh, do you, have a, do you have a light preserver? Do you have a fire extinguisher? Do you have a flare gun? And they, Gabe finds the flare gun and aims it and thinks it's going to be the most, like, I'm, like she's gonna kill this guy with one shot and flare guns like they're unless it's like in a unless it's like a military grade flare gun it, it's not gonna cause that much it's the, unless it's a star cluster which I've used in my past career it's not gonna do much damage so he shoots the flare gun and like Texas looks at him like alright this is it and you just hear them screaming so we don't we don't see his death but we just presume he's dead and so um Zora and uh, Jason grab weapons to go save their moms. So, does she grab a sandwich? She grabs a golf like a, a golf club. Yeah. But I'm like, you, why would you grab? Why don't you grab a nine iron? And I'm no. I, I mean, I would. Oh no! You played golf. I didn't. No, I didn't play golf. What you talking about? You, you've gone because I'm white. You think I golf? I've gone to a driving range like twice. Yeah, you've gone more. I've gone to top golf. You've gone more than me. That's fair. I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, you want to grab your irons. You don't want a driver. Those things are hollow, light. You want the heaviest club you can get. Give me a putter, and I'll just go at somebody. And so uh, Jason grabs, like, one of those, like, mineral stones where like the shiny stones that's on like a like on a pedestal and so like they're walking up the stairs and like you wonder like where are the twins and it's interesting because like seem like the tethered are just murder happy people but they don't murder adelaide adelaide so i found that interesting when watching the movie yeah and so adelaide um is being tied up again she just happens this happens all the time so she's tied up and kitty is seen cutting her face like a chelsea smile almost like trying to like reenact the joker and i i, I didn't realize this first but she's trying to reenact the plastic surgery that her untethered person had and so while this is happening um Zora finds one of the twins. One of the twins tries to just like pull a fast one. And she just knocks him out like a full swing and just throws her off the balcony onto the floor. And she just lands on a glass table. And then the other twin sneaks up on him because and does a somersault. And she attacks him. She just goes all out on this on her in like the bathroom, just going full metal jacket, just beating this person up. I was like, damn, bro, you got some, you got some. You got some issues, man. You need to go to bury the hatchet or discover, like, on a spoken word or something. Because you just, you have a lot of pent-up issues. And Gabe's just watching this. Gabe's just watching, like, oh, this is a casual thing for a young a youngster to witness. I, I, that, you mean Justin? Or Jason? Yeah, Jason's just witnessing, like, all this vi- gratuitous violence. And then they go and save their mom. Their mom's about, was she about to kill the mom? I don't know. I mean, it was so creepy because they didn't kill her at first. She was, like, captured. So it's like, what's going on here? Like, this isn't normal. This completely breaks your trend that you've started the movie with with these people being murder happy. And so... And the mom... That's when the mom, like, kills Kitty's tethered version lets out, like, the grunts. And Jason noticed something's up. Like, Well, no, J- for first, like... Uh, the daughter swings the nine iron, and then Jason's the one that hits her with the geode, like the big rock thing. We saw that, and then the uh, the fa- like the the dad walks in like all victorious, like he is uh, killed his rival. Yeah, like he's um, in the movie Gladiator, great movie with future Joker Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> Dude, his character sucked. Season? Oh. Uh, <laughs> character sucks. I hated him in that movie. <laughs> He's going after Russell Crowe like that? Russell Crowe's the greatest. So, they go down there, and they're trying to divulge a plan. Like, like after, like, he killed all these people, like, first off, the house is all white. Like, all white or, like, very pa- like very light cream colors. And it was, like, made of windows on yeah. the Yeah. I was like, man, this looks like the houses I used to landscape for in high school. And so the, the the then you discover one weird thing, and I don't know if she says it in this scene or in the scene when they're still in the house. Adelaide says they've been planning this for a very long time, and how would she know that? You know, how would she know they've been planning this? Who is they? And I don't I, I don't remember who was in this scene when they're talking about what to do, or they're back at their uh, other beach house. And so the family's trying to decide. And they turn on the news, and they realize this is not a 
quarantine event. It's happening everywhere. Yeah. And so they just make the decision to leave. So they decide to go to the car and they realize the keys aren't there. So um, Adelaide decides to go inside and realizes one of the daughters is still alive. So she gets into a fight with them and like kills her and just grunts. And Jason's there just like, Oh, Ma, what are you, what are you doing? That's weird. First off, there's nothing normal about this night. Just a caveat off of the back thing, uh, back scene. The dad's like, "Why don't we just stay here? We have food. We have a generator. We have this." Like, and the mom's like, "What do you want? What do you expect us like to build Home Alone traps and mechanisms?" And the dad's like, "Well," and the and the kids like, "What's Home Alone?" And I was like, "Damn, these kids don't know what Home Alone is." I'm surprised a reboot hasn't happened. Please God, don't. I, which I don't know why they're rebooting Hellboy so early. I know you like Hellboy, but I don't know why they're rebooting it so early. I don't know why they made it in the first place, but <laughs> I still liked it in grade school. So they get to the car. This is like one of my favorite scenes in the movie, like the most humorous. And so they get to the car, and they're having an argument of who's the driver. So the daughter's in the seat, and the daughter's like, well, dad's leg is hurt. You're in handcuffs, and I'm available. And, and they start bringing up kill counts like it's Call of Duty. And the dad's like, well... I killed this person and this person. And the mom's like, well, I just killed this person. And Jason's like, well, I killed someone too. And they're arguing, who's killed the most people? And I was like, how is, how is this family not traumatized enough? Or, and you guys are like pl- joking around the fact of how many people you've killed. I was like... And then I wonder, like, is this bringing up just like America's obsession with violence? Because I remember watching a movie called Bowling for Columbine by a... Uh, the M- M- Michael Moore who talks about like America's obsession with violence and I started thinking about that when they're talking about the kill count and I was like is this supposed to be an example of, like we love killing we love violence we love seeing like violence in the news or like we just are obsessed with it like what do you think about that I mean I think it just shows how quickly they got desensitized to something which I guess, in turn, like it tends to happen when you're surrounded. You get put in a situation. It's crazy what you get desensitized to. Yeah, it's just like when you look at that and you think of like, I don't know, like how quickly guys come back from or individuals come back from war and how they're just violence was just like a normal thing to them. But I'm not about to get into a argument about morality. So, so. they're driving. They get in the car. They drive. They see that. They go back to like the beach. They're driving past the beach. No, no. First off, we got to bring up. They find an Umbre just there, and the daughter's like, "Fine." The dad's like, "Just drive, just drive." Umbre like jumps on top of the car and like, "Oh, uh, uh, she's still in the car." And she stabs her scissor into the the roof of this land of of this Range Rover, and just keeps trying to figure out ways to get in. And then she drives. Uh, Zora drives really fast, stops the car, and you just see Umbre just fly into the trees. And then you notice something weird that um, Adelaide gets out of the car. And I was like, in in all this chaos that is happening, why are you getting out of the car? And she just goes out there and watches Umbre die. Like, Umbre's still trying to get, like, get at her, and she watched her die, which m- reminded me of uh, Get Out, which is another Jordan Peele film when 
the main character watches that deer die. You ever think about that? I I just thought about that now. How on like in both of his movies, they one the main character watched almost an innocent creature die, the the young deer in Get Out, and Umbre, who just by luck of the draw, happened to witness all this violence and dies honestly a horrible death. I don't know if she's impaled or just twisted back. And so they drive to the beach. Well, the like she, the mom gets in the seat. They drive. They start driving, and they uh, just see the carnage that has just ensued around the beach itself. And you're like, damn, that's a some family vacation. That's why my family, my family never went on vacations. Yeah, and they roll up to a car, and Jason calls out that it's a trap. He sees it. There's this car in the middle of the road blocking it. There's gas on the ground. He knows something's up. Because the family doesn't notice that. They just all get out of the yeah. car. Well, Adelaide... Get, the thing is, Adelaide gets out and is, like, approaching it. Like, she's, like, trying to pick up a child. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what, first off, why are you at the beach? Why are you not trying to go to Mexico like you all originally planned? And so, everyone gets out of the car. And the Jason starts, like, controlling the tethered version of himself. It's, yeah, Pluto's sitting there, and it was a trap. Pluto's there, rigged it up to try and kill yeah. him. So Pluto's, and he starts walking back, and backs Pluto into a fire, and Pluto burn, burns alive. And the thing that weirds me out is, like, you, you see red pop out of the background because she was, like, camouflaged with her red outfit up against a red car. And I was like, how, does, how do y'all not pay attention to this dude what's going on right now i'm like y'all have some irresponsible family right here my mom would lose my mom would lose her mind when i wouldn't get home by like 12 when i would ride my bike around and then she just stopped caring <laughs> but this kid's like 10 years old and all hell's broken loose and you, know, you guys aren't keeping track like i don't know did your mom keep track of you when you were 10 She'll get mad at me for showing coming back home. I mean, the rule was you played outside because when we were kids, we came along that weird age where we didn't have really internet. I didn't have internet until I was like ten. I didn't have internet until I was like twelve. Yeah, where not everyone has internet. I mean, you just played until it was uh, dark out. A couple times, I stayed out too late. We're the last generation to have real fun. Now everything's all electronic. <laughs> But anyways, so it was weird that Jason can control Pluto, which brings us back to the cloned experiment. They said the experiment didn't work. Why? Well, we don't know. Like they, that's that part. That gets. Well, well, but what went wrong? What was wrong with them? They had no souls. Yeah. And. But some of them, some of them picked up the skills of the person they were tethered to. Yeah. And then others would not emulate them, per se. And so we... Red snatches up Jason, and they disappear off screen. And Adelaide is like, oh my god, my my child is gone. We must go and find it. She just goes full-on sprinting. I'm like, yo, bro, she should have been in the yeah, Olympics. And she goes down, she gets to like that hall of mirrors, which is weird. Weird. Right. She takes us back there. And then she goes into this building, and, and she knows her way around so well. When I was watching it at first, I was like, man, she knows like where she's going. Like She's going through this door, running left in the hallway, like at the fork. 
I'm like, she knows where she's going. This is off. Like, I was this like, this is actually off. This does not make no sense. I'm about to say like, you've only been there once and you memorized the entire like the entire route to get there. Yeah. I I studied some blueprints. I work at a large like campus for a large uh, medical facility and i know people that worked there for years and still get lost this yo i I just thought that was wild yeah but go down there and we kind of see where the tethered were brought up this is their enclosure their tunnel rudy's alluded to um there's rabbits everywhere and we see how oppressed they are and we see that the rabbits are free the rabbits kind of sing the signify the tethered they're in the cages at the beginning of the movie and at the end they're set free so it was just interesting to see that but truly they were oppressed and it kind of made you think more than racially in this movie it was socioeconomic oppression a lot of just like opportunities some people have and other people have like hardly any opportunities in life and it's like very very difficult to come across like one would say a once in a one once in a lifetime opportunity to cross into that other world dun 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 spoiler that's a spoiler yeah and so like she's walking through this and she finds red in a classroom like cutting up like figurines of like red people and across america yeah and she just starts going off like what it was like growing up there and it shows flashbacks of what was going on above and going down below and like that's why like the sounds of this film because like when i first watched it the screams or like the laughing did not sound normal to me whatsoever and you see like the people imitating like the roller coaster ride or imitating um just like the goofy faces and dancing yeah the dancing and it explains why pluto's face is burnt because jason has this obsession that spark with some fire and you could see how maybe pluto who's chilling down in the tunnels got access to fire decided to play with it just like jason does burn himself and then you see there's one scene like in in the beginning scene you see people on a beach like the very beginning of you see people on a beach laughing and like it just didn't sound right and then you see the realize oh they're eating like she's like as she's walking through the um, amusement park the fair up above the exact same thing happening down below but just distorted like she hear what she hears like people laughing up there is people eating rabbits raw alive and i've had rabbit before cooked but eating something raw and alive just seems just so disheartening almost dehumanizing but that's neither here nor there bear grills i'm not offended but that's this is the part of the movie where we really see the plot unfold because it goes to her dancing too. It flashbacks. To yeah. Her, they begin to fight. Like they're like, she's like, "Where's Jason?" And she's like, "They're like, it's the final battle, you know." They start fighting out, and it just goes flashbacks of them like fighting, but they understand each other because they are themselves. Like they're the same person. It shows them fighting, but it's like very. I always found it very elegant. Like, it was like a dance, and you see back to her dancing her final dance because she stopped dancing at fourteen. Because at 14, the tether down there realized, yo, this person is special. But why is she special? We're going to get to that. So they're dancing and they're fighting. But somehow, uh, Red was had the upper hand the entire time. But for some reason, Adelaide knew where Red slept and where Red would hide. 
So she goes there and just happens to sneak up, like, like, just get the upper hand briefly and and kill her. And she finds Jason, and but well, when she kills her, she, she chokes lets out. The... She... Well, first off, she she yeah. she doesn't just kill her; she chokes her out. She literally snaps her, like chokes her with her handcuffs. Then she goes to her locker, or, like the bed, and finds the handcuff keys and breaks out. They find Jason and they go upstairs to the untethered, do like the untethered rest of the family, and they're just like what they don't know what to do you see the hands across america tethered all connected together they get inside an ambulance which happens to be ambulance 1111 or paramedic 1111 besides the point and so they all get in